from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. This is the Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Here's your host, WUWM General Manager, John Hess. Good afternoon and welcome to the Chancellor's Report. I'm John Hess, General Manager at WUWM. Today, UW-Milwaukee Chancellor Mark Monet and I will talk about the critical partnerships needed to make meaningful progress. And we're joined by guest Chia Vang, UWM's Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Corey Jo Biddle, Vice President of Community Affairs at the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce. And Amy Pahacek, Secretary-Designee, Department of Workforce Development. Welcome everyone, it's great to have you on the program. Uh, looking at some, some as we as we open this discussion, Mark, let's talk a little bit uh, and have you lead this discussion. You know, uh, you're all committed to diversity, equity, inclusion uh, measures, and 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 really looking at those issues very closely. How would you describe the state of these efforts in Milwaukee and across the stri- the state? Generally speaking, what challenges and opportunities have you seen so far? Well, thanks, John. I'm really glad we've got two hours to answer that question alone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, This is a a wonderful opportunity, and I'm so grateful for uh, Secretary Pahacek, uh, certainly uh, one of the great leaders, Corey Joe Biddle at MMAC in terms of our collaborative work together, and uh, Vice Chancellor Chia Vang. Uh, This is uh, amazing to to talk about this particular topic, and let me share, first of all, my bias. most folks uh, who know anything about me know that I'm hugely biased about the opportunities that are in front of us if we can bring these twin pillars of education and employment together. Uh, in my opinion, that's going to solve a lot of other issues going down the list from housing to food and and and, and other types of insecurities to, to so many different areas uh, that, that we can affect. So it's going to help really address a lot of things. So with that said, um, with that bias, um, I've seen some great things happen over the years. Um, we in the education sector, and I'll speak to that primarily, uh, have really been able to partner with MPS and MATC. Uh, John, we've had programs about that on this show before where we've talked about M cubed, the types of things where we're really looking at preparing that talent pipeline from high school to technical college and uh, four-year post-secondary ed. We've also uh, got the Higher Ed Regional Alliance, uh, which has been magnificent for bringing 18 institutions of higher ed together with an equity lens. Uh, And if you think about M-Cube, equity lens all over the place. Today, and what we'll talk about today, I'm really excited about a lot of the works that our Vice Chancellor, Chia Vang, is really one of the key people from our university helping head up some of the work that we're doing with the Region of Choice Initiative, which really is going to help address talent pipeline issues, particularly with diverse talent. And then, of course, because of the support of the Department of Workforce Development and Secretary Pahacek's work, boy, are we on fire right now with respect to filling what employers need. I can tell you CEO, company after company that is just really looking excitedly about the increase in the talent pipeline, particularly diverse talent. So I'm optimistic about a number of things that we're doing, although there are significant challenges in front of us. So, Chia, talk a little bit about what you're seeing at uh, uh, UWM regarding this, and then I'll just go around the horn and and maybe Corey and Amy, we can we can bring you into discussion as well. Thank you, John, and thank you, Chancellor, for the opportunity to be in this conversation with you. Uh, DEI is a very important and near and dear to you know my my philosophy of life is. Uh, 
that, you know, we are better, stronger uh, when we are diverse in all of the different ways in which we see ourselves and see others. So I'm really glad to be here. I think some of the things I have seen in on our campus, as well as, you know, in the region, in the state, is that I think there is an enhanced awareness that it is not an option to not address DEI issues. And I also see a, a challenge, uh, not just at UWM, but across the country and perhaps in the world as well, is that these issues that we are facing today are longstanding. Uh, they're not going to be solved overnight and they require both short and long-term goals. And so for me, in addition to uh, these long-term goals, I think one of the biggest challenge that we all have is defining what we mean when we say DEI, right? Um, this helps us to be able to set goals, measurable goals, and then to have the outcomes that we want uh, for ourselves. So one of the interesting things about Milwaukee, which, you know, I've been here for, this is my 16th year in Milwaukee. So what I see as opportunity is that, you know, we're, we're not, we cannot address this in isolation. We cannot address this by institution or by agency. It's not an option to do this alone anymore. And no one is going to be the champion of DEI. We all have to be champion of DEI in this region. Corey, Joe, talk a little bit about the um, the MMAC Region of Choice Initiative uh, and how this plays into that. You know, it's just so interesting because when I'm listening to Chia, it makes me think about when I first started doing this work and was first at MMAC, the hot topic at so many conferences was, what is the business case for diversity? It's like almost like you had to continuously prove and justify uh, why it was good for the bottom line in business. And I think one of the shifts now is that there's an understanding that this is an imperative Again, like Chia said, you can't do it alone. And that all plays really well into the energy that's making the region of choice work. So MMAC first started the region of choice really out of our board members, you know, kind of saying, look, we got to look at segregation in this in this city. We're looking at our talent pipeline and our mix of talent. And if we're going to be successful, we have to make sure that everybody is getting the same shot at you know, great opportunities to advance and excel in our community and to be employed. So Regional Choice now has grown to 125 companies, all working together towards the unified goal of increasing the numbers of Black and Brown managers from the baseline by 25%. We're going to do that over five years. The other part of the goal is to increase the numbers of Black and Brown um, people, employees at large, working at all of these companies over the same time period. So we set a baseline in 2018. And um, as of the 2020 numbers, we are uh, set to exceed those goals. And the progress that we've made so far has been twice the progress in half the time compared to what was going on before we started the Regional Choice Initiative. So we've learned that the intention and focus of all of these companies together, all kind of like pushing together in one direction, really is having a huge impact. And Amy, talk a little bit about the Department of Workforce Developments, this uh, Wisconsin Fast Forward program, and how does this tie into that? 
Yeah, so thank you so much, John. So Wisconsin Fast Forward is um, an employer-driven training opportunity that is funded through the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development. And it really allows employers to partner with other uh, tech colleges or community organizations to identify a particular training need in their industry and allow um, those employers then to upskill with the funding from DWD either incumbent workers or um, unemployed folks that might want to enter into that job sector. And that's great because we get a better skilled workforce here in Wisconsin and also higher skilled uh, workers earn better family sustaining wages. And it's really been a successful program. It's almost a decade in the making now. And um, in fiscal year 2021 alone, DWD awarded 33 grants um, through Wisconsin Fast Forward to the tune of over $6 million. And of course, one of those, one of the highlights last year was the UW um, system internship grant. So Mark and Chia, talk, talk to me a little bit about um, the UWM Student Success and Talent Pipeline Initiative and how is this connected to both the MMAC program and the Wisconsin Fast Forward program. So maybe I'll just talk at the beginning, just at a pretty high level, and then Shia can provide a lot of the details. She really is our point person for a lot of the work in these. And let me let me just mention at the outset, um, the, the really neat feature of the Student Success Talent Pipeline Initiative that Department of Workforce Development is supporting uh, to the tune of half a million dollars over a two-year period that's going to help with uh, putting over 200 student interns from diverse backgrounds into the workforce um, programs. This is critical because it typifies what employers want and need, which is that structured approach. This isn't just interns that are coming in and, you know, come and fill in kind of the, the work that we need today and we'll figure out what you're going to do tomorrow. It's really programmed around common and important curricula. It's leading toward full-time employment opportunities. And it's really just this wonderful opportunity to, again, bring together what I've talked about, education and employment. You line those things up and, and you give students a sense of responsibility. You give them a sense of um, how a workday works. It's that socialization process. There's so many things that happen above and beyond the work. So that's really the important part of this. Fast forward to the other side. I have employers such as Eaton Corporation, Rockwell, Network Health. I can go down the list of the companies that are lined up uh, to really receive these students and support them over the period of this. Uh, so that is kind of the high-level background. Chia, please fill in the details and, and, and content there. Sure, sure, Chancellor. So, so we are taking, you know, there are several hundred students that have come through to who showed interest and who have submitted applications. But uh, the ultimate goal is really to build a diverse workforce in this region. Uh, that's the ultimate goal. And so with the uh, funding, we hope to really place uh, 100 students um, in paid internships. And many of our students don't have the privilege uh, to just be in an unpaid internship. They have to support their families. So um, having this opportunity is wonderful. 
what we've done is that we have uh, worked with, you know, MMAC and all of the region of choice, uh, people who have pledged to be a part of uh, region of choice, that they will be helping to provide those internship opportunities. So it's innovating in the sense that it's a partnership between, you know, uh, DBMD, MMAC and, and us. But to me, the most innovative part is that um, it, it fulfills so much of what our DEI work is all about. We are we've structured the program so that it's not just for the you know certain students who would have done well anyways, right? So we have two lanes. One lane is for those who are ready to go to a HR internship or you know a software development internship, and then one lane is for students who are interested but may may need a little support, right? If you've never been inside a corporate boardroom, it'd be hard to kind of imagine you being there. So the first lane is about giving students some uh, training, workshops, exposure, soft skill development so that they then can join those in lane two. And so it's wonderful. That's how we structure the program. Uh, that's part of our uh, UWN's commitment to experiential learning as well. Um, we know how important that is so that students are, are not just learning about what it is, in software development, but they're actually experiencing and meeting and networking. And as Chancellor said, then hopefully that will lead them to real jobs after they graduate. So that's what's exciting about this. It's equitable. It gives opportunity to more than just certain high achieving students. So really thrilled that we're able to do this. Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, Chi, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we have 100 in the first round and then we gear up and we do 100 again uh, in the following year. Is that correct? So the total will be 200 or more students through this program? We hope to be able to do that, but the, the internship itself, it's 100 to be placed, but we'll have, you know, um, more than 100, but they will be in the other lane as well. Corey, Joe, I want to, I want to, that's, that's great. And I, and I, think that that's great as we work on this sort of uh, from the uh, the beginning, the entry level first. But I want to touch a little bit about on this metric, Corey Joe, that you mentioned about African-American and Hispanic Latino managers in Metro Milwaukee. You're looking for a number of 25%, increasing that by uh, to 25% over five years. One of the things that, that I know in my organization we've talked a lot about is that we can't begin to start to really um, address some of the needs and issues of the communities that we hope to serve until we get uh, people of color at our management table. Talk to me a little bit about why this is important here in Milwaukee and, and how you're working on that metric and, and hoping to achieve over that 25% over that number. Well, I think what we're learning is that culture within the organization's workplace culture and culture of the community that we live in is so key in not just advancing talent to a certain position, but the ability to retain them in the companies and in the region. And the creation of culture has to be a part of a very diverse, inclusive environment. There have to be people at the table that can give different perspectives. And thus far, that hasn't happened in a lot of organizations. So what that results in is people being promoted based on the relationship they, they, that they have with their manager. And if you think about human nature, that's that's true. The people that you're closest with, those are the names that you say in rooms. Those are the folks that you think of for advancement. Well, that would be great if we didn't live in a community that is segregated. So the relationships that would naturally happen between 
people of the same race are not happening across race, which shows up in how people are being recommended for advancement opportunities, stretch projects, everything that really puts a person on the path to leadership and, and management in this case. What we're doing with the region of choice is raising that awareness and each organization, all of the 125 organizations are looking at their organization. They're looking internally to find out, you know, what's what's the clog in the pipeline for them? Why aren't people being promoted at the same rate when they're Black or Latino and Hispanic? And each organization is finding out something different. But the work is to look, to explore, and to ask the question. Some companies are going so far as to promote um, and to uh, tie compensation to a manager's ability to build a diverse team, which I think is a really interesting approach. It's accountability and it's working. Amy, you 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 wanted to say something? Yes, yes. Um, Corey Joe, you are spot on. I, I can't agree more. And I have such optimism that you are going to be successful in this venture. And here's why. So there are some really interesting workforce trends at play. So Wisconsin right now, like the rest of the country, has a worker quantity shortage, which means there are currently more vacancies than there are people to fill those jobs. And that's a result of decades-long trends in the making, low birth rates, uh, baby boomers retiring, which was exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, and also net zero to negative immigration and migration to our state. But what that means is employers are now competing against each other like they haven't in a long time to attract and retain talent. And we know that workers want to be somewhere where they feel valued, where they feel empowered, where they have a seat at the table. And those workers are creating and those organizations are creating that workplace culture that Corey Cho was speaking about that is going to make them competitive and give them the edge in this type of job market. And the last thing I'll say, and this is, you know, such an exciting conversation because you know, these workplace cultures that are inclusive and diverse and that give everybody a seat at the table, those have happier employees that are more motivated, more productive, more innovative, call in sick less. That's great not only for our workers and our communities, but also it's great for business. So that's why I'm more optimistic than ever, uh, really, that DEI is going to be able to, you know, meet and move the needle and achieve new ground um, now post-pandemic. Mark and Chia, just interested in your thoughts is, is, you know, because this goes across generations. It's it's generational in a lot of ways. And and obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but if, but I would guess that probably the younger you are, the more you're open to diversity, equity, and inclusion in all aspects of your life. Um, and, and the older you get, the more uh, that maybe might not be as much of the case. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how this generational difference plays out, both at the student level and at the university faculty and staff level. Ja, I mean, that's a really interesting way to frame this. I I, I happened in my observation, I happened to uh, observe that it, it really depends. Uh, again, depends exactly what we mean by 
what aspects of diversity we're talking about, right? So you have many young, you know, our students are the ones holding us accountable, right? They're, they're demanding that uh, at a place like UWM, you know, they're, they're coming to Chancellor and me and others demanding, no, we want our faculty to reflect, you know, the diversity of our student population or our community. And so, um, that is all true, but then we also have leaders on campus who are of, of a different generation. I think I'm the sandwich generation here, um, who are also very much the leaders of our DEI efforts. So to me, I think it's it's that there is a intersectional, intergenerational interest in seeing diversity work and equity work on our campus. So it's not, people aren't, you know, age-wise here and gender and other, you know, um, identities are placed in certain areas. It seems to me that many people across generations, across identities are interested in working together. So that's kind of where I see in my role as DEI vice chancellor and the, the different efforts that I lead on campus. That's what I observe. I would build on that and say that our vice chancellor is spot on, and um, it 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 does start in many ways with the students, where we absolutely see a tremendous uh, drive and desire. Just like when we think about sustainability, when we think about a number of different areas, I think that there is a generational difference there in terms of openness and encouragement. I'm also proud of the fact, though, that our campus has long had uh, values that that really have underscored DEI. And uh, we've been uh, among the first in terms of educational institutions in this region to join and commit uh, to the region of choice. Uh, it's so important and we're really proud of the progress that we've made and that's going to continue. But it is something that, that you know, I look at our employee base and, you know, one of the challenges we have, just like so many employers, is the pipeline. And that pipeline uh, is exacerbated when we look at, when we think about another uh, initiative that we're involved with called the Milwaukee Anchor Collaborative. And this is where we have what we oftentimes refer to as the EDS and NEDS, where we've got the largest healthcare organizations and the largest uh, educational institutions that are looking at their procurement and their hiring from a dozen zip codes uh, in this area that are the most adversely affected. And it's very difficult to start um, from, from ground zero because we just don't have uh, some of the businesses in those zip codes that are large enough. Um, we're a state agency. Uh, we have certain procurement requirements and to be qualified and educated. So we're working just like we've worked in education with, um, we're, we're actually diving into uh, through Milwaukee Succeeds, work in early childhood education. We're not just going to the K-12 systems, we're going earlier. Similarly, we're working with employers uh, that are small and medium-sized businesses to really help them qualify to be able to be eligible uh, for the larger contracts and work like that. So we're trying to lead this across all generations. We've got a lot of great uh, perspectives all the way around and um, uh, there is that that difference. So we're, we're trying to address that and know that it's a long game. We're not going to achieve the results we'd like to have overnight, but uh, we've been committed. We're here for a long time, as you heard from our vice chancellor's le uh, legacy here and uh, mine as well. So we're, we're really here for the long haul. Amy, you know, when we talk about equity, um, in, in a lot of cases, the pandemic has changed the sort of the formula of equity in a big way. So um, people are looking for not only equity in terms of uh, wage equity, 
but also uh, flexibility in the workplace that they can go places they can they can work from home or they can work in 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 other ways. Um, Wisconsin has, I believe that that Wisconsin is at still seven dollars and seventy five cents in terms of its minimum wage, where um, many other states surrounding us have a higher minimum wage. When we talk about wage equity, which is a big issue in terms of diverse DEI work, um, how is Wisconsin working towards this, achieving more of a wage equity? Well, certainly um, I agree with you, John, that currently the federal minimum wage is hardly a living wage, and we know that it is not competitive in this market. Um, there was efforts and some policy initiatives to look at raising that wage. Um, we don't have a legislature right now or the correct sort of groups in power that would be able to fully execute on a policy initiative like that. And so what we are really looking at is providing the support and removing barriers for those individuals who still would like to enter into the workforce and are not able to do so due to things like lack of access to affordable childcare or transportation or housing or infrastructure and providing supports in those ways and really hoping that the market and the competition for employees and workers is benefiting our workforce in Wisconsin right now in terms of they're really in the driver's seat. And you were correct, John. Um, employers have to offer things like more flexible work hours, remote work, better benefits, and higher wages right now to keep you know their employees um, at their organization and to attract new talent. Corey, Joe, I I. You know, it's interesting. I want to ask you because I saw on the website that you said when you first came out of college, you were thinking about leaving town. You were thinking about going somewhere else, but you decided to stay. And you must have seen some promise, some <laughs> chancellor's clapping his hands. You must have seen some promise there of why to stay. If you were talking to a young UWM grad who was maybe thinking of going somewhere else, what would you say to them to to help to maybe maybe just say think about staying in Milwaukee to build your career? What I found in Milwaukee is support and mentorship and guidance in places I didn't expect to find it. Um, I ended up having an internship at Manpower now Manpower Group, and it just caused me to interact with people that I, that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And I started to become more and more bold in asking for advice and favors and, and direction. And I found that people were just saying yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, growing up, I just didn't believe that it would work that way. I didn't believe it was possible. So the bolder uh, a student is and the more encouraged uh, they are, we have to embolden them. But I think they have to know that ask for the support that you need and you are going to find it, especially in this community. I, I think that's that's a great uh, message to end on. Um, thank you all for being here. UW-Milwaukee Chancellor Mark Monet and I have been joined today by Chia Vang, UWM's Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, Corey Joe Biddle, Vice President of Community Affairs at the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, and Amy Pahacek, Secretary Designee, Department of Workforce Development. I wanna thank you all for taking part in this great discussion today. It was really, really good. Glad to have you all around the table. For the Chancellor's Report, I'm your host, John Hess. Thank you for listening. 
You've been listening to The Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. If you'd like more information, go to uwm.edu slash chancellor.